no pressure with the skit, I guess. So here we go. Uh, before we begin, uh, let's rewind uh, from, uh, from last week, okay? It's so good that we continue to stay refreshed and remember what we're doing instead of just going, hey, I learned this and then I'm not going to apply it. Uh, last week we talked about the marks of a mature believer, correct? Yes. So if you weren't here, we were talking about that. That's M-A-R-C-S. And uh, we went through it's being missional, it's being accountable, it's being reproducible, it's communal, and it's also scripture. So I challenged you each one. So I want you to rethink how you did. Okay? This is the test part. Okay? This is you get to look back and see, did I actually apply this? Because we've really talked about you can know all the information, but if you never apply it to your life, there's no, it doesn't mean anything. I could know how to run one of the best companies in the world and know how to execute, but if I never apply to get the job, or if I never, that, I never do it. So we need to be applying what we learn in our lives. So the first one was missional. It was the missional, and I asked you, out of seven days, how many days a week do you have a missional mindset? Are you missional? Do you think in that way? Are you just like, oh, once out of seven? Like, or is it seven for seven? And people have different areas of where they're at, but you need to sort of process where you're at in that. And did you improve? Because I asked you to put a number down. Then I said accountable. And I asked you to write a name of who holds you accountable. Okay, is there anyone? Is there anyone? And if there's not, uh, I would be praying for someone to come into your life to hold you accountable. Reproducible. Are you pouring your life into anyone? Or is it the John Pell show and no one else? Is it just, am I, am I being reproducible? And the, be, the big question for that is, am I reproducing John Pell's or am I trying to reproduce Jesus? There's a big difference in that gap. Communal, it's one of my favorite. Who are, who are your friends? Who are the people investing in your lives that make you laugh, that you invest with, that you have stories with? Who are those people? Because we're called to be a church. Are they church people? Are we called? Are they other believers? Are they people in your life? Who are those? I ask you just to write down some of your friends. And this last one was scripture. Scripture. And my big challenge to you was, how many of you are memorizing scripture? And I asked you, what would it look like from a year from now, how many would you like to memorize? Is it one a month? One a month. Could you, could you do that? That'd be 12. And so many of us think like, oh, like I need to have... 84 memorized by the end of next year, and then all of a sudden we don't accomplish that and we feel like we're a failure. Like, set reasonable standards, but let's move forward in Scripture. Let's understand it. So what is that goal for you? What is that challenge? And have you started? Because it's really easy to write down that number last week and then be like, ah, I've lost the paper. <laughs> and then next year, next year you have not memorized one. If it's six, if it's four, whatever, think about all the way by next year. Think about the growth that that's caused. Because I can't guarantee you the time you spent memorizing that will influence your life. 
it will influence your life. So that was last week. Now this week, we're entering into a family Sunday. Now it's a little bit different because uh, my, there's uh, a little bit of sickness, so we, only, we don't have as many kids today. And I had a big skit planned. So some of you adults are going to be loving me here in a couple minutes. I'm going to need participation. But if you are one of the youth, if you are any of the youth, please come up. Please come up here. All right. There you go. All right. I'm excited. Yeah, if you can have a seat right there. I wouldn't die one. Awesome. All right. Thank you. No. Well, then I won't make you do anything crazy, okay? Uh, all right. So, um, okay, I need a couple of things. I am going to need a Peter. Okay, you'll be Peter? All right, awesome. Okay, you can be Peter. Can you stand up here so I make sure I don't call on you again? I could see that. All right. All right, I need some soldiers. Okay, yes. I think you would do a good job. Okay. Okay, um, soldiers, okay, you guys get some protection. Please do not hit anyone. One goal, okay? Please don't hit anyone. You guys are on both sides right there. Okay, I need an angel. Okay, you're over here. Okay. I need a ruthless king. Okay, awesome. Awesome. Great. You can just stand over here. I won't have you do too much uh, over there. I'm scared of you right now. Uh, so uh, I like it. I like it. Okay. Um, okay. I need, well, since your whole family's up here, why don't I have your parents come up here? I think, <laughs> I just got the stern look like, no, come on up. Yes, they're so happy. I'm, if we lose this family, it's on me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, you guys can stand over here. You guys have the easiest job. I promise you, okay? All right. <laughs> All right. This could go crazy. Okay. Let's start off this story. Okay. You're Peter. Okay. You are chained up. Okay. Oh, no. I'm not. I'm going to handle this one. Uh, you are way too excited for that. Okay, you're chained up. Awesome. There you go. Nice little store. There you go. Okay, can you hold? You can hold on to it with your hands. There you go. There you go. Perfect. You're not getting out of those. <laughs> and proven wrong again. All right. Okay, so let's go to Acts 12 6. Okay, we'll start there, Acts 12, 6. So, what is going on here is a couple things. King Herod, King Herod over there, has just, he has just actually killed someone. His soldiers have killed someone. And, uh, yeah, and James, the brother of John. Not the, no, not, not the, they're soldiers. The soldiers have done it. Yeah, so he had done it. And so they had found out that 
people had found out about this and they liked it. So King Herod, King Herod decided, well, I'm going to trap more people. So he made a ruling. Go get Peter. All right. So basically he goes and gets Peter. And so Peter's now trapped. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Man, I'm going to put him next time with this soldier. Uh, he is enjoying it uh, way too much. So guarded. Peter is guarded here. But I, we jump into the story six, but I don't want us to skip verse five. Verse five is very huge. It says this. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. You two are the example of the church. So can you pretend to pray? <laughs> there you go. So the, the church is over here earnestly praying for Peter. Okay, so Peter's caught, trapped, in a dire situation. You've seen the soldiers. So, so it's at night. It's at night. So you guys act like you're asleep. Okay, the soldiers are there. So the soldiers, just so you know, would be chained to the be chained to him. Okay? This is so Yeah. Just everyone just you you're asleep, Peter. There you go. You're you're asleep. Okay? You're chained. Perfect. He actually knows it. He's like, I'm chained, so if Peter wakes up, I'm right there. I'm ready to go. Good. It's good. So the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. And the Saracens uh, stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel appeared. Yes. Ta-da. <laughs> so the angel appeared of the Lord, appeared, and the light shone in the cell. This is where I step in. You like it. So the light shone of the angel. All right? So in the cell, he struck Peter. Now, just hit Peter on the side and tell him to wake up. Okay. Quick, get up. And the chains fell off. The soldiers were still asleep. Soldiers stay asleep. And the chains fell off. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. So now the angel is taking Peter out through three levels of guards. There would be three levels. So there was this level, there's another level, and there's another level of where, how Peter uh, was taken out. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea who the angel was doing and what was really happening. He thought he was actually just seeing a vision. Um uh, they passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened up uh, for them uh, by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel had left them. Not as quick as I thought, but pretty good. So give it up. And then Peter was free, okay? So Peter was free. And we will pick up the rest of the story afterwards as they are praying because that leads in to Peter going to the church. So can you give a round of applause to every one of the actors? I'll take the bat. You guys can go sit down. Thank you, King Herod. Thank you. Thank you. We're doing that. You guys go sit down.
We'll talk about it after. Thank you. I'll take the chain. Thank you so much. I'm glad none of the soldiers got that. Uh, that was somewhat what was going on. So I know that's a little bit of a physical, like, seeing how it all works out, but I think that it's actually, it's actually good to sort of process it, you know? No, no offense, that's not how Peter was really chained up, but, like, it is good to realize that Peter was chained up. There was a king that wanted his life, and we're going to dig into this right now. Um, as we have begun, I think we have to look back uh, at the beginning of that King Herod had killed James before this had started. The brother of John with the sword, it happens in verse 2. And what had happened, people were pleased by this. People were pleased. And, that, and a lot of times we just thought, oh, it's just the Roman soldiers. There was also Jewish context to this too. Different people liked seeing this. And then as King Herod saw this, and then that's when he ends up getting Peter. Um, one thing that I really want us to wrestle with is the fact that so Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. What is earnest prayer? Like, process that. Think about that, because we're going to get that. I'm, I'm, I'm just letting you know, because it was, it was mentioned here as a huge, big deal. But let's just jump right into some of the key points here. The first point was... The king's plan was to kill Peter. Point number one. The king's plan was to kill Peter. Just so you know, it, we think about this sometimes as ancient, like a long time ago. Like, this stuff still happens today. People still die for their faith today. Looking at some of the stats and with, their, with the kids in the room, like I don't want to go too into detail, but there's around 13 every day that are killed for their faith alone. There's multiple churches that are attacked daily. And these are the low end of the stats. Standing up for your faith, there, there could be a cost we are very lucky in this country to still be able to be talking openly about it. Who knows how long that will last? God's will, God's timing is in charge of that. The king's plan, though, was to kill Peter. That was what it was. It wasn't like, hey, we're just going to say this guy did bad thing. No, it was the physical death. And many times we're thinking of this, we see Peter get out of this situation but a lot of us wonder and we got to process this is well why didn't james get out of it like if you're really asking like to be to be simple as a pastor like i want to skip some of these questions you know because it's actually getting deep like you've got to process this kind of stuff but honestly i don't want to because it actually shows god's sovereignty Point two steps into this, and it says, 
You can't stop God. Peter's work wasn't finished yet. Man had planned to stop Peter, right? His plan was to kill him. Man had made a decision. This is what's going to happen. God's plan was different. You can't stop God. You can't stop God. Peter's work wasn't finished yet. It says, God sent an angel. At the mention of light, is saying that this is a heavenly visit. All right? That light, the angel, this is a heavenly visit. Okay? Um, I was going to have my, uh, my daughter has like some like angel wings, and I was going to like have it just to resemble. But just so you know, angels didn't have wings you know, in the Bible. So uh, it's a concept of there, like, uh, did it, but there was, a, it was, this was divine. This was heavenly. This was God coming. He rescued Peter from prison, and uh, <clears throat> he provided rescue uh, for Peter because Peter's work for God wasn't finished yet. And the reason why I say this is, Wearsby says this, in uh, about Acts 12 and all this. He says, why was James allowed to die while Peter was rescued? After all, both were uh, de devoted followers of God, and they were needed by the church. The only answer is the sovereign will of God. The very matter that Peter and the church had prayed about their second, this second experience of persecution, many believers were praying for Peter and they kept it up day and night for a week. This is, this is hard because sometimes the sovereign will of God does not fit what we believe the sovereign will of God is. We want things to work out this way because if I was God, this is how it would work out. Right? Because if I was in charge, this is the way it is. And if you want a rebuttal to that, go to Job 40 and read 40 and 41, and you'll see the response that God gives to Job. So Job, this is the connection, Job had just lost everything. You know, he's been attacked, he's done everything, and he's starting to question God, and then God responds. Do you see it all? Do you, do you control all these animals? Do you control it all? Do you see it? You don't see the bigger picture. You, don't, you can't even fathom What's so funny is you can't even fathom some of these animals that I've put into the world. How are you going to fathom me? You, you can't. But in our minds, we're like, yeah, God, because I see it working this way, this way, this way. And it's all to my benefit. We have to be obedient to a sovereign God when things don't make sense. In our mind. Like, we don't understand it. God, God worked this way. He also worked three more times in Acts, releasing people from prison. Which is awesome. But why James died is it's in the hands of God. Number three, and this is really where I want to set in on, because everyone loves this the story of Peter escaping and, and all this. Um, but I don't think people really realize what it took, right? Three is earnest prayer. Earnest prayer. 
Peter's friends were together to pray, and they prayed earnestly. And here's the thing. They probably didn't even know what they were praying at times. At the feet of God, praying for Peter. Maybe praying that he can get through this, get escape. Praying for it. But I, I think this is what is great, and I love this ending story to it, is let's look right after. So Peter is on his way now to go see them. This is verse 11. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel to rescue me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. They are still praying there. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she realized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and explained, Peter is at the door. Okay. There's some real cool stuff. One, the servant girl uh, opening the door is actually something really cool because it actually adds to the authenticity of the Bible. Okay? That's why also the authenticity of the Bible is also uh, why did the women find Jesus first? Because that's not the way, if back then, that's not the way they tell the story. It would be John would open up the door and Peter came in, you know? But a servant girl heard his voice, got excited, and comes to the people that are praying for this to happen, praying. So what happens next? They don't believe her. They don't believe. They say this, you are out of your mind. They told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter uh, motioned with his hands for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the brothers about this, he said, and then he left for another place. Almost every commentary I said, uh, was reading and digging into this were like, this is almost a humorous take in the Bible. Because they are praying for something to happen. Peter is actually free, and he's knocking at a door trying to get into the house, and they're in there not believing it's really him out there. Like there's this little humor that God has already answered the prayer. He has already answered it, done done these things, and we, they're still in there. They're earnestly praying, but they don't believe, oh, you're out of your mind. And the reason why I brought that part of the story up is sometimes I think, like, are we out of our minds and how do we pray? In the sense, do we believe God can really do the miraculous? Or do we just believe that God can only work in the little areas of science that we agree with? Like, how, how big of a God do you believe in? 
Do you, like, here's the, here's the major question you have to ask yourself. Do you believe this story or not? I like it. Man, out of the, out of the mouth of kids. I love it. Because they still believe. There are days when my daughter, I think, believes stronger in the power and might of God than a lot of us. Because we, we've become so wise. We know how the world really works. No, we're out of our minds in the wrong way because we do not put our trust into God. We don't earnestly pray. We don't pray for salvation for our neighborhood, our neighbors like we should. When's the last time you cried for one of your friends in prayer? Like where you wept over someone that you know doesn't know. Convicted. Because it's like, oh, if I say the right things, if I do the right things, if I do it, then God, then, then God will get it. God don't need me. Like if you really think that you are the end all, then you basically put yourself as an idol. I am challenging you to, instead of, doing those things, be on your knees and go to God earnestly in prayer, seeking his face for your life. So many of us want our own path. Like, oh, I want to be here. I want to be here. I want to do this because that makes like this status or I get this pay rate. Are you seeking God's face? And I'm telling you this because one, this is scary. It's scary. Because if you really seek it, he might call you to something you don't want to do. I'll tell you, and this is being wrong. When I first heard about Living Hope job opening, I said, good luck with the search. <laughs> Just being honest. And I think that's what honesty is, because it's not what I wanted to do. It wasn't that pace. But then all of a sudden, you start taking it to God, and God starts changing things that, in your life, but also changing things so you're seeing God's just working in different ways that this is impossible. And now, without a shadow of a doubt, I know I'm supposed to be here. Think about that. There was a moment in my life where I remember the phone conversation. Just being like, ah, good luck. But if I would have stopped there and assumed what I would have done, I would have been out of God's path. What's that look like for you? I'm big on application. Do you pray that way? Are you earnestly praying for your friends? I know we got some sick people in our church right now. Are we earnestly praying as believers for their healing, but also to the will of God be done? Like, because so many times we want there to be healing, but if God doesn't have that, just like James, then we still trust him and believe in him. And that's for it to be gone. And that should actually strengthen our faith because we know we're in the, following the will of God. That's the challenge for us. Because I would not be here if I didn't at some point seek the will of God. And maybe in your life too. So I want us, as we pray for those that are lost in our lives. Right now, many of us could think of lost people in our lives. 
maybe family members that have gone away, all that, whatever that is, are you earnestly praying? Because here's the thing, you can't do it on your own. You will have your moments where you have to be obedient. You have to, to live it out. I get that. But are we going to the Father? Or are we doing it all on ourselves? Because here's the deal. They were praying God was taking the chains away. They were praying. They, well, he walked out three sets of guards. God was doing. Are we praying because God is the one that's going to do it? Do we believe that God can do it? I don't want to be the church that just says, hey, pray, hope we have a great day, great week. God, you're awesome. We'll see you. Well, he already knows that. He, he already has that. But do we have that relationship? Here's another thing. How much do we really pray? They were praying day and night. Day and night for the situation. Do we just pray before our meals? Do we just pray? I want us to start changing our mindset of how we pray. We have the opportunity to go to the Father boldly. Boldly, because we're His. But then we have to trust Him. It's funny, I, when I was younger... When I was younger, you know, your dad's your hero, you know, so, at least in my situation. You know, not everyone gets that situation, and I was blessed to have that. My dad was the hero. And I look back now, like, my dad had told me at times, uh, you shouldn't buy that CD because that music's not really glorifying God. You know, like, what you would say today, simple stuff. You know, that's not huge with what's going on compared to the world. Like, ah, I would not do that. But you know me. I got to be me. I got to do what I want to do. So I'm going to buy the CD if I want to or not. So funny. My dad was trying to protect me. He's trying to love me. He wasn't buying it for me because in my was like, yeah, I, we pray for that kind of stuff. Like, God, why don't I get this? He was trying to protect me. Now I look back being like, man, I wish I didn't buy that CD. Because it corrupted me a little bit. It put thoughts in my head that didn't need to be there. And all of a sudden, it's like, we see this as, why, God, do you do this or don't, don't do that? He's a father that wants to love and protect. And just because he says no or this kind of situation... He still has, he sees it all. It's much bigger. It's much bigger because he knows where that's going to lead. Are you the one buying the CD, though? Just like me. Being like, God, I, I know you want me to do this, or I know this is challenging. Here's another shocker. It, just because it's easier does not mean that's what God wants you to do. We have misplaced that. You can't say that we have 13 people dying for the faith all the time, but God really wants me to get that Starbucks latte. Like, that's a better option than doing this. Like, what are we talking about? Like, God has a path for us. We have to be obedient to it, but we also have to trust it. It's just because it's not easier, that doesn't mean it. 
I'm not saying that there aren't those times where you pray about it and you know where you're supposed to be, but I am asking, are you truly praying about it or are you just going by feelings? Put it in the hands of God. Because, miraculously, in our lives, Peter was released and then he could go. I believe this story. Uh, just like I believe Jesus rose and died, or he died and rose again. I believe that. Because I believe in a God like that. Let us not believe in a God less than that. Let's not believe in the falsehoods of that. I think the, the question that so many, and I, I was talking to some of my friends this week, um, we were uh, meeting in a group, and we talked about so many times the way we live our life. We live it out that, like, oh, I have to earn God's love, or I have to do it. And I, I, go, I do action before I do prayer. I do action, like, oh, I got to earn it. And what that, and, I, and a quote came to me and goes, and really challenged me, was said this. If you believe that your action has to come first before God's love, you really don't think uh, Jesus' death is enough for you. You really don't think Jesus' death and resurrection was enough for you because you still gotta, you still gotta do it. I say we have to change our mindset. We have to change it to putting it all in God's hands first. Let him do with it. And then we are obedient because we love him. Because we love him. The worship band comes up as they come up. Yesterday was my 11-year anniversary with my wife. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Congratulations to me because I got the better end of the deal. Uh, clearly, you can pray for Danielle often. Uh, but uh, we were going out, and... It's so interesting, and I see these long marriages, but how important trust is, love is, how important, like, how you live your life and how we do that in our relationship with, with God. What's that look like? With me and her, it's like if I treat her one way, like, there might be actions and truth, but it always comes back to do we love each other? Are we committed to each other? We read in Psalms 4 today of someone calling out, like, God, answer me. Basically, God, where are you? Like, do this. Like, having those conversations is good. But here's the question. Are we going to God first with everything? Are we in earnest prayer? Are we just trying to do it ourselves? So I challenge you to be in earnest prayer with God daily.